any funding is allocated for border walls in the Rio Grande Valley, that the very first place that will get a border wall is going to be Santa Ana National Wildlife. You are listening to Hey podcast listeners, a little while ago, Tony chatted with Texas birder and environmental activist Tiffany Kirsten about how a proposed border wall might affect wildlife and the experience of wildlife along the Rio Grande, that is our border with Mexico, especially the lower Rio Grande Valley. As usual, please be sure to rate us highly on your podcast listening app of choice and to tell your friends all about the podcast. If you've got comments or questions or if you've got ideas for topics, please don't hesitate to hit us up on Twitter at Herb Wildlife Cast, email us at urbanwildlifecast at gmail.com, or track us down on Facebook and get in touch with us that way. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy the discussion. So the Lower Rio Grande, a lot of people I don't think realize is a city of what, too many people on just the American side, and then at least that many people on the Mexican side, and it's it might not be one city, but it's it's a, it's a big metropolitan area. We actually, so, so, between both sides of the border, we have about 3 million people down here. Yeah, so it's a, it's a big city, and they all, all those areas run into each other. So when you look at them, you know, they were, I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to the audience. So when people look at, if you look at Google Earth at, like, McAllen or, and you zoom out, you realize that it's, it's a pretty big, it's a, it's a metropolis. It's, it's, City upon city. It's not just one city. It's a bunch of cities linked together on both sides of the border. And the green spaces there are essentially urban parks. Yeah, less than 3% of our native Tumalif and Thorn Scrub habitat remains. Yeah, so so that's why, I mean, it's primarily on the radar of the Urban Wildlife Podcast because it's, a, it's you know, an urban area. Although, mm-hmm. you know, um, the border wall being a man-made construction, that also kind of brings the urban effect, you know, no matter where, where it's at. So we're interested in kind of both aspects of it. So what I'd like to talk to you about is the impacts you think this wall will have on wildlife, the impacts this wall will have on people's enjoyment of wildlife. So let's talk about its impact on, you know, I want to talk about its impact on wildlife and wildlife viewing. Um, am I correct that a lot of, there's a, essentially the Floodplain of the Rio Grande is the northernmost, like, jungle, right? The northernmost, like, subtropical forest. So there's a lot yeah, of... Yeah, so... Sorry. Continue, Continue. sorry. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a certain amount of, like, hookbill kite, for instance. It eats snails, right? And Texas is known as being fairly arid, you know, um, you know, most of the Texas away from, like, the border of Louisiana is pretty arid. So this idea that this tropical forest hawk that eats tree snails lives anywhere in Texas is pretty remarkable. But it exists in the microclimate right along the uh, Rio Grande there. So if they build this wall, will that bird essentially be removed from the you know American Bird Association list? Because you, you're not going to be able to see it, right? There's no way you could deserve it after the wall is built, right? Right, right. Well, there there would be there would be a few spaces uh, where they are seen now, um, but most of the places that they are being seen 
um, would be on the other side of the wall. Yeah, I would say probably about 60% or 70% of the, the places that those birds are regularly seen um, would be on the other side of the wall. Um, so, but backing up a little bit, um, yes, yeah, so we have our Camelopin thorn scrub habitat down here, which I mentioned previously, about 3% uh, remains. A lot of it was deforested uh, many, many decades ago due to agriculture and then also um, somewhat more recently due to um, urban sprawl. So 3% of this habitat remains, and it's some of the most diverse habitat in the entire United States. Uh, the subtropical, subtropical uh, habitat here is influenced by the desert we have to the west, um, and then the, the coastal influence that we have from the Laguna Madre to the east of us, and then the temperate weather from the north and the tropical weather from the south. So we're at the epicenter here of four different ecosystems. Um, and about half of the bird species in the entire country have been seen just in the four counties that make up the lower Rio Grande Valley of Texas. Yeah, it's just an incredible place. I've been there three times, and you know, I, I would. I mean, if I had my way, I'd go there once a year. You know, it's it's just an, an unbelievable place. Yeah. So um, obviously, a lot of people come here to see our birds. And there was a study done by Texas A&M University in 2011 to try and determine how much money is brought in annually to the Rio Grande Valley to the four county area. Um, each year, and they came up with $463 million that come into the Valley due to ecotourism, which is a good chunk of change and even more considering how low income um, some of these communities are. Yeah, absolutely. So l l let's just get down to, like, the depressing facts, right? Like, let's talk about the how this is going to impact. Like, are you, like, Santa Ana, Benson, are you going to – be able to access those refugees anymore as as a birder, or are they going to be essentially like off limits when they build the wall? So yeah, so that's a big that's a big unknown. Um, that's one of our our biggest concerns. Our border patrol sector chief Padilla uh, was on video on doing an interview about three months ago, and he stated that if any funding is allocated for border walls in the Rio Grande Valley that the very first place that will get a border wall is going to be Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge. And that is because the refuge is already federal land. Um, so literally they can just waive the environmental laws, um, which does not take much work. Um, it was part of the, it, that was implemented, that policy was implemented uh, back during the Bush administration. And so they can just kind of sign a waiver and say, okay, we don't have to worry about any environmental uh, regulations. Like, no matter what adjusts in the environment, we can build a wall here. So if they were to build a wall at Santa Ana, um, they haven't told us whether or not the public would be allowed to access the area beyond it, but the, the wall would go on the flood control levee, which is just a couple hundred yards south of the visitor center. So it would separate the visitor center from the entire 2,000-acre um, refuge and trail system. Wow. Now, a similar thing happened 10 years ago during the, the sections of border walls that were built during the Bush administration um, in a little town called Hidalgo. And Hidalgo is about 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes to the west, 30 minutes to the west of Santa Ana. Uh, also along the border, it's one of the World Birding Centers. It's Hidalgo Pump House World Birding Center, and it's a city-owned site, and the city has a handful of acres, 
And then adjacent to the city acreage is a tract of U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service land as part of the Lower Rio Grande Valley National Wildlife Refuge. And there's about a one-mile trail of actually a pretty nice, used to be a pretty nice uh, one-mile trail that goes through that tract, that little refuge site. Um, and when they put up a border wall, they install the gate, a uh, remote access gate, and um, they were told that the public, that it would be open during business hours for the public to access that land. And the that land being there and the access to that land is the reason why the World Verdict Center site was selected uh, for that location. Um, and I have been to that site at least 20 or 25 times, and not once has that gate been opened. So wow. even if a border wall is built at Santa Ana and we're promised that the public will be allowed beyond it, um, there's no saying that that is that, that they're actually going to follow through with what they promised. Wow, that's just horrible. I've been there, you know, three times. It's one of the best places I've ever visited in the world. And just to think that, like, it, was, it would be off limits, you know, that beautiful tower and all those facilities and you know, the, the tram system and everything, that's just, that's just heartbreaking. Yeah, they get about 150,000 visitors a year um, to just Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge. And that over 400 species of birds have been seen. For the, for the birders out there, <laughs> we'll know that that's a very... Uh, very great list for just one site. Over 400 species of birds just sits on the National Wildlife Refuge alone. Yeah, you go to like uh, places in like the tropics, and they'll talk about their bird list. You know, where it's like, and there won't even, and there won't be, you know, there'll be like 300 species or 250 species. So like the idea that you have 400 species in a temperate area is just ridiculous. Right, and and there's about 30 species of birds. Um, that within the, that are regularly seen, not even including rarities that show up here, but there's about 30 species of birds that are regularly seen in the Rio Grande Valley, um, that are seen nowhere else in the United States. So those folks, those birders that are working on their American Birding Association list, um, need to get those birds for either the U.S. or Canada, uh, have to come to the Rio Grande Valley to get those 30 species. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm one of them. Um, I've been there three times. It's funny, like diminishing returns. My dad was teasing me, and the last time I went, how for the whole trip, like um, Dan, who got fifty species, he spent like twenty dollars a bird. My dad got twenty species, and he spent, you know, like um, fifty dollars a bird. I got, I got two, or I got three species, so I spent five hundred a bird. <laughs> <laughs> the cost for bird analysis. Yeah. Um, so, what about um, what what species would be? Is there any species that would be effectively like almost impossible to see anymore once this wall's built? Um, in terms of birds. Yeah. In terms of birds. Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, hook-billed kite is one that would definitely there would be fewer locations. Um, to view it. This wall, uh, let me back up a little bit and talk about what, what the wall would look like. So um, the wall would be built, um, on a, the wall would be built on the levee and uh, something called a levee. So there's currently um, a flood control structure that's 
I'm not sure exactly how tall it is. It's probably about 15 or 18 feet high. Um, it's essentially a thick concrete berm um, with a road on top that's built so that if the Rio Grande River floods, um, which it did in 2010, Santa Ana was underwater for about four months, and uh, a lot of animals died. Um, but some other animals were able to get up to that levee and climb over the, the side of the hill and up over the road and then back over the other side of the hill and find a new place to exist for a while. Um, so if a wall was built at Santa Ana, what they would do is take out about the southern third of the of the uh, levee of the road and replace that section with about 15 to 18 feet of concrete. Now, on top of that, they would add the steel bollards, um, the the kind of what most people think of when they see a border wall. They're, they're six-inch by six-inch posts with a four-inch gap in between uh, solid steel, and those would be um, a, another X number of feet high, um, and so the full structure would be 18 to 30 feet high. Um, so if you imagine, in 2010, when the Rio Grande River flooded its banks and that whole area was underwater for four months, um, some of those animals, like I mentioned, were able to escape. If there's a, an 18 to 30-foot uh, wall in front of them, you know, 18 or so feet of that, which is concrete, a, a straight up and down vertical concrete wall, none of those animals will make it out, you know. And those animals include bobcats. Ocelots from time to time, armadillos, raccoons, you know, um, anything, Texas, endangered Texas tortoises, endangered um, Texas indigo snakes. So literally everything that doesn't fly would be affected. Um, and even some of the, the lower flying or more secretive birds uh, would be affected by a wall um, with potential deaths um, due to flooding situations because it's only a matter of time. Um, until the Rio Grande Valley floods again from a hurricane or, or a large tropical storm. And yeah, and all those animals, those um, especially the non-birds, would be uh, the gene flow would definitely, you know, they they'd only be the small um, population on the American side that will no longer have any gene flow with the the core of the population in Mexico. That's horrible. Yes, our biggest concern in the Rio Grande Valley in terms of animals and genetic diversity is with the ocelot. So the ocelot is an endangered wild cat. It's a little bit bigger than a house cat, um, and there are biologists in the area that work for U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that have been doing a lot of research on the population here in the U.S. Um, they put radio tracking collars on them um, and track them for us throughout the year, and they estimate that 50 to 75 ocelots remain in the United States. Um, part of the reason the Lower Rio Grande Valley National Wildlife Refuge was created, um, that refuge is a corridor refuge, so it's not it's not talked about as much because not many of the tracks are open to the public. Um, the refuge is mostly for um, for wildlife value alone, but there is a um, a region or corridor of um, of the Rio Grande Valley that was uh, identified by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service as valuable land to purchase and restore and connect in order to make an air, a, a more whole area. You're putting together essentially little chunks of land in hopes to eventually connect them all and make it a, a more valuable 
um, area for wildlife. And so that refuge was primarily established for the ocelot. Now, with 50 to 75 of them remaining, if, uh, if the Trump administration gets all the border walls that they're hoping to get, um, that would remove access to and from the Mexico population um, and the U.S. population of Ocelot. Obviously, uh, they don't see themselves as Mexican and they don't see themselves as American. Um, and right now, you know, they do cross the river from time to time and, uh, and interbreed and they have that genetic diversity there. Now, with a wall, that would be stopped. And the concern is that with only 50 to 75, it'll only be a matter of time in the United States until they become so inbred that they become extinct in the United States. Wow, that's just, that's just terrible. And there's also, um, historically, there's other cats, right? Like um, uh, Jagarundi and Margay, even Jaguar that used to live in that area. And some of those are still thought to occasionally cross over and potentially recolonize. I mean, they could potentially come cross over and recolonize the U.S., and that would also be completely lost. Am I correct that there's thought yeah, of other yeah. cats as well? Absolutely, absolutely. We've already lost several wildcats from this area. And the last Jagarundi sighting um, that I'm aware of actually was a road-killed uh, road one in uh, in 1986 in Brownsville. But those cats are so secretive. Like, it's, it's almost impossible to really know whether or not we have them here. We may have a small population and just not know. And there's definitely always the possibility that they can make a comeback especially with all the the restoration that we're doing here in the Rio Grande Valley, um, or Rio Grande Valley National Wildlife Refuge and the South Texas Refuge Complex is doing tons and tons and tons of work and um, restoring acres and acres of land every year. You want to talk a lot at all about how you got involved with it? You are like the person. To, uh... <laughs> so how did you kind of so, become the person? Yeah, so I um, – I used to work at Santa Ana. <laughs> so back in 2012 to 2013, I was on staff there. I was um, I was managing the visitor services department, so overseeing um, all the visitor divisions and also leading bird walks there four times a week. Um, so I went from working there, and then I left the area for a while, and then I came back, and now I sit on the Friends of the Wildlife Corridor board, uh, which is a nonprofit support group for Santa Ana and Lower Rio Grande Valley National Wildlife Refuges. Um, so I've been doing that for just over a year. And um, and then I was asked to go as a member of the Friends of Wildlife Corridor to Washington, D.C. this past fall uh, with a couple of my other um, colleague board members. And so we spent three days talking with Congress, educating them about the issue. There's a lot that that isn't understood uh, in Washington, D.C. about our situation here in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, first and foremost was the question, what do you mean a border wall would not go on the border? Um, so most other places in the U.S., while a border wall would still be incredibly environmentally um, and socially destructive, uh, here in the Rio Grande Valley is really the only place that it couldn't be put pretty much on the border. And so we have areas where up to a mile and a half or even two miles uh, from the river is where the border would be. Um, and then uh, now I'm also on the executive committee for the Lower Rio Grande Valley uh, Sierra Club. 
So between having been a, a staff member at Santa Ana and now being on the Friends Board, I've kind of become the de facto kind of go-to person. Um, I never did more than, than vote in the presidential election uh, before last summer, and now I've actually gotten very involved um, politically in a variety of issues, uh, mainly uh, because of the border wall. Yeah, well, you are um, you are a very interesting person because you are a, um, an avid birder and you're also a dancer. So you, so, right, like you, so you're interested in the birds, of course, but then like culturally, like I see you like involved in all these like, different dance groups and everything down there. So you just <laughs> seem to be entrenched in that community on on many levels. And for the birding community, um, you're, you're without a doubt like the uh, – the person keeping us all informed about the uh, the border wall and its impact, and we really uh, appreciate that. But to put it in the context about why it has to go so far in, aren't there spaces um, down there, like multiple locations, where you can actually look north into Mexico because the uh, the Rio Grande um, has so many like curves in it, right? Right, and that's part of why a border wall couldn't be put on a border here because our border is the river, and you know, as any any biologists or nature people know, uh, rivers change course, you know, and that's how we get Oxbow Lakes. And Oxbow Lakes here in the valley are called brasacas. Um, we have a special name for them <laughs> because we're that close to Mexico. Um, so you know, to put to put a border wall on the border would require it to be super super windy and like three times as long as it otherwise would be. In addition to the river then changing course and eroding away the border wall. Well, I think we're um, we're at a half hour now. I think we're pretty good shape. Is there anything else you want to um, share about this? Um, just that. No funding has been allocated yet. The uh, the request for bids, believe it or not, they put out the request for bids for companies that would like to do the work on the border wall at Santa Ana. They did that, that prematurely before any funding um, has been allocated. So to this day, um, there's been no funding. So what we really need everyone right now to do is it's a call Congress. You know, call your representative, call your two senators. It literally takes, like, two minutes to call each of them. Um, you can find scripts. Uh, we have the Save Santa Ana Facebook page, if I could do a, a plug for that page. Um, Save Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge. We're constantly posting updates on there and also actions that um, folks can do to help us out, um, which right now is putting pressure on Congress not to allocate any funding for a border wall. That's the least I can do. I'll be doing that tomorrow. So, yeah, um, well, thank you so much, and uh, I appreciate all, all the work you're doing, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll uh, talk to you in the future about what's going on there and uh, some updates, and also hopefully someday we'll do a podcast about the uh, Little Rio Grande and all the wildlife that's no longer under threat. But the savage. Absolutely. Sounds great. Fuck the boy!